In this episode of the Herbert Cain podcast, I'm joined by Pastor Brian Souter. Now, we are going to be diving into how do you find purpose? All of us are asking that same question. What is the meaning to my life? How do I know what I should truly be doing? And Brian's going to unpack some of that and he's going to share purpose in his own life as to his calling towards ministry. So before we dive into this week's content, just want to share what's coming up in the next few weeks. We have Lewis Conway, formerly incarcerated to civil liberties strategist. Lewis was in prison for 30 years for murder. We have Suge Berry, inspiring women to live victoriously. And Dr. Raj is going to talk about overcoming childhood trauma. So all fantastic episodes. Now, as always, it would mean the world to me if you would like and share this podcast with your circle of influence. One of my goals is to grow and get these strong, powerful messages to um, further and really help and support more people so without further ado here is my conversation with pastor brian Souter on what i've titled how to find purpose welcome to the who i became podcast Really excited today to welcome Pastor Brian Suter to the Overcame Podcast. Welcome, Brian. Thanks, Simon. It's so honoring to be here. I've been listening to your podcast, and you interview interview some of the coolest people. And I just hope that I can keep pace with them. Well, and and you're um, the, the pastor of my church. You'll be examining my every word as well, Brian. So, so I hope it I hope it goes well. But but are. let's let's talk a little bit about who you are. So you yeah. are a pastor at Westwood Community mm-hmm. Church. I mean, we have multiple pastors. We won't sort of name, name their, their roles, but you've spent 16 years at Westwood. And those that people are watching the video, they'll say you don't look old enough. Uh, so, <laughs> so, so we'll have that. You know, you've got a, a BA in communication, your Master of Divinity, mm-hmm. um, you're a husband, father of two. Uh, and like I said, you know, you're one of the pastors at Westwood Community Church. So, so welcome to the show, Brian, firstly. Thank you, Simon. Love what you're doing here. I have a ton of respect for you and what you're bringing and just grateful. So thanks for having me. Well, maybe we'll start with a little bit about, you know, what do you do as a pastor at Westwood, Brian? Yeah, so my role right now is the pastor of creative teaching content. And so that means that I get a chance to uh, give messages or sermons um, on a regular basis, help kind of steer and help contribute to the direction of where those messages are going. And in addition to that, just a few other things that comprise of my role. But essentially the way that I would describe the role of a pastor is to just help guide people within a faith community towards the life that God has intended for us. And that's really, I think, what it's all about. Yeah, and it's interesting, Brian, because you know, part of um, what my podcast is about is the transformation and purpose. And um, I tell a lot of stories about you, and you might actually not realize, because uh, one of the reasons I do a lot of things I do is that me and you randomly had a conversation one day when our um, children both went to the same daycare. Mm-hmm. And, you know, part of my background is in safety and security. And I said, you know, who who does the security at the church? And you connected me to Jim Tice and become good friends. And I've now written two books. I've got two book businesses on church security. So you've really helped shape my direction and, and wow. purpose um, indirectly. You might not even really sort of re- realize that. Yeah, I think, you know, we've had a couple conversations just about how you've come into what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't realize until right now that even that that small conversation and that chance encounter created such a turning point for you. Really cool to hear because, again, you're bringing so much that's important into the space for faith communities and what you're doing. And, man, that 
I got to have a tiny part in that. Yeah, well, that's a, that's a big part. I've written two books, Brian, because you know, it's, that's, a, that's a big part, you know. Yeah. But so, you know, one of the things that, you know, me and you met for a coffee a couple of months ago and we're sort of talking about what a conversation might look like. And one of the things that I was really interested to learn about you is that the, the sort of journey's become a pastor. You know, we talk about sort of um, purpose and or is it a, a calling? But maybe we'd sort of share a bit about what was your journey to becoming a, a church pastor? Yeah, to becoming a pastor. Great question, Simon. I, I would say this, that becoming a pastor was not something that I found. Rather, it found me. In other words, I, I wasn't looking to become a pastor. And that goes back all the way to my adolescence. When I thought about what I wanted to do, there were a lot of different definitions of that. I would say when I was 10 years old, I wanted to play professional sports, but I learned very quickly that I have a lot of other strengths yeah. in athleticism. Yeah. Uh, but then when, when I got into high school and you start thinking about what are you gonna do with your life, there were multiple different avenues that I considered at the beginning of that. And mm. in the midst of that season of my life, I started to have this really amazing experience within the church that I grew up in, in youth ministry in high school. Yeah, And had such an incredible time in that and felt like I was really alive when we were in those spaces and watched a few people who were in the role of a professional youth pastor, so to yeah. speak, thought that might be something that I'd want to do. And then eventually over time, I uh, went to college and kind of had some stops and starts with other pursuits within the college space and pretty quickly realized, you know, I, I got to I gotta pursue this. And again, it wasn't necessarily something that I was looking for, but, and I'm, I'm going to guess that maybe some people hearing this will have some similarities in their journey, mm. but sometimes we hear what we're good at through other people. Yes, absolutely. And I heard from a couple other people, hey, you've got some gifts here that I think that you should pursue within ministry. And again, it was just a brand new file that opened for me. And I thought, okay, interesting. So then I went through school and served as a volunteer in a few youth ministries in the area that I grew up in. And then very quickly just felt like this was it for that season of my life. And then the journey to becoming it longer term just continued to unfold with every chapter as I went from youth ministry to working in adult ministry into the now teaching and preaching role that I have within our church. It's been really amazing. And and again, I, I think um, knowing that, that your podcast goes out to such a, a wide array of people, mm. um, I believe that that's God that guides us. But I think the other thing that I, that I believe is that, you know, we don't have... I don't believe in random circumstances. Yeah, absolutely. Nor do I. That there's an orchestration behind it. And so every chapter marker and season where something new unfolded was not by accident. And uh, it found me and it continues to find me every day. And I'm just grateful for it. Yeah. And I think um, being a pastor, which is one of the reasons why it sort of fascinated me. And I was thinking, I've got to talk to Brian about this. It'll make yeah. an interesting story. Is that um, being a pastor isn't really seen as being a job or, or a vocation. It's more of a sort of a, a way of life because there's a belief behind it. So, so yeah. I guess, is there a time or was there a time, Brian, where it moved into, okay, this is my purpose. I mean, was it when you got your um, your degree from Bethel or when you got sort of went through um, seminary and got your Master of Divinity? When was when did you feel that this was really my, my purpose in life, true purpose in life? That's a great question, Simon. I would say there's a difference between knowing your purpose and owning your purpose. And I would say that as I went through the early portions of my career, you know, 18 years ago when I was first getting started, I knew about this is probably my purpose for at least now. Mm. But as different dynamics kind of arose and unfolded within the journey, I would say there was a there was a movement from knowing about it to owning it. 
uh, one of the things that I experienced in this probably started 10 to 12 years ago was, and this is one aspect of being a pastor is helping families who are in a season of grief and also helping families that are in a season of joy of, of weddings. And it was interesting. I feel like God used that experience of walking alongside of couples and weddings, and then also walking alongside of families when they've had loss at the highest level to just know that this, this is my purpose and I'm going to own it. And it's not of me. I'm just really a vessel. That's how I consider mm -hmm. myself. But there was a dynamic to which walking alongside of a couple really specific situations where people had lost loved ones tragically made me realize this is what I made for. And um, there's a lot more that comes into different bullet points underneath that. But it was the crucible of walking alongside of people in some really sacred moments, life-changing moments where two people are standing in mm -hmm. front of God and each other, saying vows to each other that that make their lives come together as one. Yeah. But then also when there's loss of life, those are sacred moments that I get invited into to be a part of. And I'm really, really grateful for that sacredness. But then that was really a galvanizing moment for me to say, yeah, this is this is something I'm owning. Yeah. And it's interesting, you know, what was going through my mind, you know, my next question was around sort of the difference between calling and purpose, you know, and this podcast goes wider than sort of, um, uh, you know, those that have a faith or those that sort of believe, but everyone right. is searching for some type of um, purpose. I mean, is there anything that you've found in your life, either sort of spiritually or just through living life as to, you've seen for ways to try and help people understand well what is my purpose and i even through my friends like a lot of people say i don't know what i'm going to do with my life or you know what is it what is my calling what is my destiny i mean mm -hmm. what have you uh, when you look at that and when you hear about it as a pastor and as a father i mean what, what are things that people can do to try and find that purpose yeah yeah well i think it was and you can fact check me on this simon okay. but i'll do that as well i think it was mark twain who said there's the two most important days of your life are the day that you're born and then the second is the day that you discover why. I think there's a dim dynamic for every single person where the journey of discovering why we are here is ever unfolding. I don't think we're ever fully done owning and, and standing in our purpose. I think there's different chapters and seasons to our why, you know, to borrow from Simon Sinek, find your why. There's different chapters and seasons to what that may look like. But I think there's a couple different ways. There's something that's within every single one of us that we can't deny. When we think about it, our heart beats a little faster. There's something that stirs within our soul. So there's something within us that we need to unearth and listen to, kind of an inner voice, the inner voice of our soul to say, man, when I was doing that, I felt really alive. Um, I think the second way to discover really what our purpose is and, and the why that we're here is through the voice of other trusted people. I had a mentor say to me, um, you want to find people that are are for you and neutral about your circumstance. And what I mean That's by true. that is know, know you, know who you are, know your heart, know what you're about, but are not invested necessarily in the circumstance of how your why plays out. Who can say that is what you're made for, or I don't know about that piece right there. And then I think thirdly, it's trial and error and circumstance. So I learned pretty quickly on in college that I was not meant to be a mathematician because that wasn't the easiest thing for me to study and learn. And so that was a trial and error. So then I redirected and said, okay, I might have some gifts in communication. So I went to pursue that as a degree and I found 
my purpose in, in communicating in, in mm -hmm. speaking. And I never would have, had I not run into the brick wall of struggling with certain pieces of math. So that's one example of try and error. But again, I think it's what's within us. I think it's what are people around us who are, who are for us and neutral about circumstances saying, mm -hmm. and then trial and error, bottom line. And again, if we're not dead, we're not done. Yeah, and I true. think there's a lot of different dimensions of our purpose that unfolds every single day, every single month, every single year that goes and coincides with our seasons. And I think, Simon, you just mentioned something, too, about being a father. Um, I, I, I don't necessarily believe that my purpose changed when I became a dad, but the profound nature of my purpose shifted. There was something different mm -hmm. in the fabric that now... My wife, Courtney, and I are now responsible for, for two lives, two eternal beings that God has invited us to help shape. And that that is important. So for me, um, it's my faith, it's my family, and then it's everything else, vocation in church, et cetera, whatever that might be. So Yeah, and interesting, because I was talking to a pastor, I've got to have something biblical in here somewhere. And I was hunting down <laughs> a scripture, and I actually found one in Proverbs 29, 18, where it says, where there is no vision, the people perish. Yeah. And I think it is when I talk to um, friends, um, you know, and there is sort of ambiguity with their life, quite often it's, well, well, what is your goal? What is your plan? You know, people close to me will know that I'm very rarely, do I, I sleep five or six hours a day? I've always got something going on and say, well, well, how do you do that? And I'm like, well, well, how do you not? And it's having, what's your plan? What's your goal? Um, those things help you find your your purpose. Absolutely. That's yeah, great, yeah. Well, Brian, one of the things, you know, because I've got a, a pastor and my pastor who's a friend that I know as well, I hear a lot of things about the responsibility and the depth that comes with being a pastor. And mm -hmm. I know Craig Crusher, who I listened to his leadership podcast um, from, is it One Life? Yeah, Life Church. Yeah. Um, so, you know, one of his biggest challenges as a pastor um, is envy. Mm. I got to know um, uh, Frank Pomeroy, who is the pastor of Sutherland Springs Church, um, First Baptist um, down there. Sadly, they had the uh, mass shooting where his daughter was killed. And he said mm. one of the things that challenges him is that when he can be having an off day as a pastor, that people still expect things of him. You know, his, yeah. his daughter's died, but people are still coming to him saying, my wife just left me, can you help? You know, so mm. there's, there's challenges there. So I guess you as a as a pastor, what's what do you find being most challenged about the role? Man, that's a great question. And I haven't had a whole it's a lot tough of time one to as well. Think about no, that. no, you haven't. Yeah, you're getting you off the cuff here. Bro. Yeah. You know, I think the first thing to acknowledge is that there's challenges in every role that people have. And I think the challenges that we have feel really weighty because we know them, but I don't know someone else's challenges the same way that, like, for instance, I don't know your challenges the same way that I know mine. But everybody has their own unique set of circumstances yeah. circumstances that are challenging. You know, the way that I would probably answer that question, Simon, is just the the weight of what we do, which is to help people to encounter God and to know that this God has come, that they might have a life to the full, a life that they were created mm -hmm. for, and to know that I can do the best job that I can in whatever it is that I'm doing, whether I'm having a conversation, whether it is that I'm giving a message within church, the challenge is I have no control over the results. Zero. Because if someone receives that message and you know puts their belief in 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 Jesus, that's God's work, but it's also their choice. And what's really hard about that is to not get lost in what I'm viewing as the lack of a result, but see the bigger picture of how God is weaving something 
in my belief system, how God is weaving something that I can't see, I have to trust, and I will know in the rearview mirror as I look back. So it's probably the gap between what I do versus how much control I have over it, of, of the result being there. And as I've gotten older, you know, with age comes wisdom, right? Yeah. I would say I've gotten a little bit better at reconciling that gap and being okay um, if I don't necessarily see the results that I want because I know that there's someone orchestrating some yeah. things behind the scene that, again, I just don't have any control over. So I might have a different answer for you later on this afternoon, but I think that's what first comes to mind. Well, we can always question. go back and re-record and try and find <laughs> it in. But I guess one of the things, you know, as you were just talking then, you know, a good friend who used to work for me, um, a bit older than me, a good friend called um, Dennis, he said to me, uh, something's happening in my life at work. And he said, you know, Simon, you're not in control mm. and you're not supposed to be. Yeah. Um, and Dennis has moved down to Florida and we sort of still talk on the phone. And he reminded me a couple of weeks ago of that saying, Simon, you're not in control, nor you meant to be. And mm. I think sometimes, uh, you know, I threw that question to you just because I'd heard other pastors talk about what most challenges them. But yeah. I think it's, it is that sort of internal processing that we're not in control, nor, nor we're supposed to be. You know, we can just try and guide and orchestrate as best as possible, but um, yeah. there's many things outside of our, our control. Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely right. And whatever result it might be, whether it's someone that I know that is facing a difficult circumstance that I have no control over or, you know, people within our congregation, you know, whatever it is, marriages, families, et cetera. It's just, we, we don't have a whole lot of control over those components. We can just do the best job that we can to help people to see God's intention. And for me personally, to see God's intention for my life and their life and for them to pursue that. Yeah. And let's move on to something a bit different in Brian. So what about um, life experiences that, that have shaped you? I know yeah. when um, I've heard you um, preach um, before and you've sort of told me during a coffee, but I think was it your grandfather? Yeah. But so, so maybe share a bit about, you know, how that shaped your life. Yeah. 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 Thanks, Simon. I, uh, from a very early age, my grandfather was someone who really kind of took a special interest in me and in investment. And, uh, I am the I was the only boy in his bloodline and I have two sisters and uh, they were um, special to him too but there was just something unique so my grandpa Bill was a World War II fighter pilot he flew a p47 in World War II and was just an aviation nut he made a really deep and lasting impact in me in that space because what he would do is he would take me to air shows and we would go and build model airplanes together. We would spend time, I, I just have vivid memories, you know, back in the day where you didn't need an airplane ticket to go down the concourse. Yeah. Um, because he was who he was, he was able to talk to a gate agent and we went and sat in the cockpit of a brand new plane that had never been flown before that wow. was sitting at the gate. And so there's just these dimensions that are a part of that for me. So he invested in me, he came to all my sports. And then one of the other things that, that, um, he did that made an impact and why I, I often talk of him as it relates to my faith is that in the midst of all that, here he is, this larger than life hero to me. He lived this quiet, steady, persistent, and honest faith journey. He was involved in churches. He led choirs. He built massive pipe organs and played them um, just by ear. He never had any formal training. And and then one of the things throughout my life that I experienced was uh, my maternal grandmother, his wife passed away when I was five years old. And as a young kid, that was my first experience with anyone dying in my life. 
And I was impacted by that because I had had my eyes fixed on him and how he did that journey. And he was real and honest. And I've learned things about how honest he was about his faith in that time since he's passed away over um, well over, gosh, what is it, 15 years ago now. But he modeled an authentic faith for me that didn't just try to like push through problems or hardship or pain, but genuinely encountered a living God in the midst of his his loss that was really mm-hmm. huge and important. So watching him kind of set me on this trajectory and being involved in church set me on a trajectory to become ultimately who I am in my faith, most importantly, but then also what I do. So that's one thing that definitely shaped me. Yeah, and I mean, what I like about that um, story, every time I hear you talk about your grandfather, I get a different sort of nugget in there, but yeah. it's really about, um, he was very purposeful in the relationship. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, as I sort of focus on, you know, purpose, transformation and leadership, um, we can always look, we all need to look for someone who that we can look up to that can guide us yeah. and also someone who can, we can bring alongside us and share the, share the knowledge. And um, now most people know part of my personal journey that I didn't have a father figure in my life. I look back now and even as a, uh, as a young sort of boy, I could have been thinking, well, where can I seek out that relationship? And it's, it's not something that you really get now because you, you, you know, you're too young at that time to really see that. But I think hindsight's allowed me to, to look at it and think, uh, where could I have found those relationships? Because it's, it's really important. I think um, we're going to sort of go off into a different direction, but I feel it's one of those things which is really missing in our society today is having those positive role models. It seems that your grandfather was a real strong sort of figure for you in, in that way. Yeah, he was very significant. And really both my grandfathers were and, you know, my my dad and my mom and so many other people that invested into me. And I'm grateful for every one of their impacts in my life. Yeah. And so what um, types of challenges have had to overcome them, Brian, that might have sort of shaped your purpose and direction? I mean, even just going through sort of seminary or just, you know, growing up, what what challenges have you had to overcome which have helped shape who you are now today? Yeah. Um Man, that's a good question. I think about some of the guests that you've had on this podcast, and sometimes I feel like my challenge is pale in comparison well, to some well, yeah. of the things that they've walked through. But, And honestly, it's so meaningful to hear them talk about some of those components and how it has formed and shaped mm. who they become. Yeah, I would say uh, one of the challenges that has um, helped to shape me has been you know, running. Maybe maybe one example is running into conflicts with, with other people, um, in whatever context that we have, you know, conflict can be a great mechanism and a great crucible to create something that is better than was before. And when we run into conflict, obviously we see something that see something differently than somebody else does. And depending on what the meaning of the conflict is, it can be much more difficult than others. But when we walk through conflicts, there's something that I believe can be shaped in that. And I've had, you know, a series of them, we all have, right? We all experience conflicts. This world isn't perfect and no relationships are perfect. And whether they're in our home or whether they're in our church or whether they're in our business or workplace, um, it's there. But my my question that I often um, have to work hard at is what can I learn about myself and how I can grow in the midst of this conflict that I'm facing with someone else? And, you know, one one of the things that I try to practice is if I get a note of critique, for instance, like in my messages, sometimes I get critiques. Oh, really? Yeah. You do get emails on that. Yeah, I do. I do. Um, And, you know, when I was younger, I just kind of like, but it is, let me say this, it is interesting. Mm. You can hear a dozen kind affirming compliments, Mm. 
but your mind fixates on the one that was the opposite. And what I've learned to do over time because of not handling it well is I've learned to say there's a nugget of truth in what I'm hearing that I don't want to hear, that I have to hear. There's a nugget of truth that I need to hear and what I'm hearing that I don't want to, but I have to. And I'll keep a file folder of those kind of com- comments and just say, okay, I can grow. For instance, I'll be, I'll be real specific. I got this note from someone who was really bothered by the way that I smacked my lips when I spoke. And I'm I need like, to talk to my wife. She sent what well, my wife currently says that over time. Yeah. <laughs> and so I said, I-, I didn't know I smacked my lips. And, but first, I mean, I, I got resistant. I'm like, I don't smack my lips. Did you miss the rest of the message? But then I thought, okay, slow down. What is there to learn from me in that? And I went back and listened to the message that this person critiqued me for. And sure enough, I you smacked were. my lips. Mm-hmm. And so every time I get up, Simon, I think about that. I'm thinking about it yeah. right now as I'm speaking to this microphone. Mm-hmm. So that's one challenge that that I've encountered. And I think everybody has. I, I hope everyone can relate to that. But then again, I would go back and just say one of the other challenges is, again, the gap between what I can do and what I can actually control between what what people do or choose or what they want to become. Mm. So, And that sort of self-reflection, you might call it, Brian, is that something that you've learned or just developed in the role? Um, that's really what I hear. There's a lot of self-reflection in there and, yeah. and um, accountability against yourself, which yeah. we sometimes in life we tend to push that away and like you said no it's not me um but you seem to uh, sort of develop quite a lot of self-reflection do you think that was the role of a pastor always being on display always sort of being having this sort of stature what what caused you to really be able to internalize that those type of comments yeah well i don't I, I'll, I'll say this it's not easy every time that there's a comment like that i there's always a resistance in me that matches that first but through other mentors that i've had in my life through, you know, I, th- I think the best person to speak in our life is the one who's closest to us. So through my wife and then through friends, I've just learned to, to just be open to those things. And again, it doesn't mean that I'm perfect at it because I have still a long way to go. But I've also realized that if, if I don't listen to that, then I'm going to run into some trouble along the way. If I'm not, if I'm not checking my pride even if I'm not being open to whatever it is that I can learn from that, I won't get better. And it's just a a, a, a reminder that I try to carry with me every time I face mm. challenges like that. Well, we've got another tough, challenging question for you, Pat. Sure. And I should say for Brian, normally I give my guests a bit of a heads up as to where we're going, but for <laughs> whatever reason, yeah, for you, Brian, it was zero heads up. It's like, you know, you're, you're all had it, so let's go. Yeah. Um, but what, is there a moment in your life when you feel that everything perhaps um, clicked? And this might not have happened as yet, but is there a time when you felt that you are content, you do understand your purpose, you mm-hmm. do know why adverse things might have happened in your life. Is there any memory that comes where you say, this is where I understood what it was about to be a, to be a man, a father, you know, or be in the workplace, whatever it might be for you? Yeah, um, great, great question, Simon. Thanks for giving me a heads up on that. Well, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, the way, the way that I view that is, again, through the concentric circles of importance around my life. And I think as it relates to my faith journey, the, the major one for me was really when it all kind of came together. And that was at a summer camp in, in high school. And I just really sensed um, 
God's saying to me, I have life for you if you'll be open to it. And I let that life in and and said yes to to this God, Christ, who's leading me into this moment and then wants to lead me through the rest of my life. So that's really when it clicked for me. I, I'd say just on the outside of being um, you know, a husband and a father, that's one for me that still continues to click every day in a new way. But it, it's interesting. Sometimes our kids will write things about us for school. You've probably seen this with mm. your two boys, yes, but they'll absolutely. bring home projects like, you know, my dad, I wish I could remember it because it's hilarious, but they'll bring home this sheet. Like my dad weighs 250 pounds and he eats a lot of pizza and he likes to yes. play sports with me, etc. And one of the things that is on those sheets is like my, my dad or my mom express, like shows me love by, and every time that they've written an answer in that blank, it's some simple things. Mm. But the common thread with all those simple things is I've taken everything else away and I've just fixed my eyes on them. And I've said, whatever they're doing, I'm doing, whether it's building Legos or being in the yard, throwing the football back and forth, um, going to a game or helping coach their sports. If my eyes are on them, I just think everything else snaps into place. But I've got to put phones away. I've got to, I've got to mentally sift through the day that I've had enough to be fully present with them. And again, I I do that some days well, and there's other days that I don't do that very well. But if my eyes are fixed on them, then then it's all really clicking. And then I would say, just in terms of um, of my work, it's it's more along the lines of just watching. Here's here's where it clicks for me, mm-hmm. and this is something that I will I will always 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 be overwhelmed by. When someone's life changes before my eyes, I remember God is the one who does that. And I just get to play a really small part in it, but that's why I'm here. For people to know that Jesus came to bring them a life that's described by him in the scriptures as a life to the full, and then to watch them live in that life and watch their lives change, that's amazing. Yeah, and it's interesting you mentioned about the kids, and, and I'm the same. I think the last time my son brought something home, I was 72 years old or something on one of those little <laughs> um, things. But it's you know, 72. it was yeah. I was like, where did he even get that from? <laughs> even, not even the right numbers in different order. Um, <laughs> but I really um, take a lot from it because it's it's a battle that I have is to always try to be in the moment. It's something that I I'm going to yeah. always always struggle with, but I know it is incredibly important because it is those is those memories and. You know, we've only had a short time to, together, Brian, but you've mm-hmm. given four or five strong nuggets in there that I know mm-hmm. people are going to really, um, really sort of um, draw close to, go away, do some more reading, some more understanding and self-reflection on. So it's been it's been great to have you on on the show. Thanks for having me here, Simon. It's always fun to hang with you. And again, just really um, respect what you're doing. And I'm grateful as a pastor in a church for what you're creating with Kingswood and beyond and and then what you're what you're allowing to happen in this space with the podcast. It's just, it's a gift to so many. And I'm grateful for. Thank you for joining us for the Who I Became podcast. If you are enjoying the discussions between Simon and his guests, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review, as well as share with your friends on social media. Once again, thank you for joining the Who I Became podcast.